Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Right now, our riveting guest, my daughter Delaney, for the first time on the show in many, many, many years, home from college, whether she likes it or not. I think I got her mic working. Does it work now? Yeah, yeah. Can you hear that? I'd say riveting is a strong word. Okay, there you go. That's better. Got it fixed in the nick of time, 15 minutes late. Uh, so we have questions from listeners, which was a terrible idea. <laughs> so the idea was, uh, what questions do people have for your daughter? Yes. And uh, yeah. and then the ones you rejected, were they a lot about, uh, like, uh, you? Was that it? There was one uh, that said, is he grumpy at home, too? <laughs> Except it wasn't that charitable. Right. That's actually not that bad a question, but uh, what that questions? That was my question. <laughs> okay. That's one of the questions I'm answering. Oh, damn. Oh, there you go. Yeah. All right, go ahead. What's what's the first one? Um, So the first one, a lot of them were actually about our relationship, which I thought was kind of sweet, actually, and unexpected from the internet. Um, well, this is our beloved Armstrong and Getty listeners. These are fags. So the first one was, what is some advice for us dads who want to keep a strong bond between our little hmm. girls and us? Oh, good one. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, and, um, you know, of course, feel free to chime in on this because I only have 50% of this. Uh, But a big thing with me growing up was I always felt like you and mom really trusted me. So it was one of those, you trusted me to make dumb decisions, but not dangerous ones. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, we'd send you off uh, with the uh, admonition, no felonies, no pregnancies. Yeah, yeah. And I think I did You're talking about older, like high school and stuff like that, junior high, high school? Yeah, yeah. I mean, gotcha. I think when they're little, you can afford to be a little more hands-on, but especially what kept us close was when I kind of reached those teenage years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, uh, yeah. we could talk about that at greater length. Are some you other a particularly time, but... trustworthy person, though? Yes. What, what Do if, I want to say that on What there? if you got a kid? I don't. But what if you got a kid that's clearly a sociopath? You're gonna... <laughs> like like her dad. Um <laughs> Well, that's that's a little different. Uh, you know, you try to keep them between the guardrails. Uh, in other words, keep them alive and keep them out of the penitentiary, I think. And you just have to let your kids make mistakes. You have to teach. I mean, you learn through making dumb decisions. Mistakes and are awesome. I haven't learned through making dumb decisions. I continue to make them. But uh, I suppose In there's always theory, a... you have to learn yeah. through making dumb decisions. All right. <laughs> what else you got? Um, Well, and the other thing is, and it ought to be said, I have said since my first daughter was born, my girls are never going to be desperate for a man to love them because they're going to know their dad does. And so, you know, that's what I keep thinking about the Tiger King, the 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 the, and they're they're boys, but same sort of situation on the Tiger King. Just I can just see their upbringing uh, in them as adults and needing, you know, uh, anyway. Desperate for approval. Yeah. I believe there is one Tiger King related question, isn't there? There is one Tiger King. Go ahead. Really- yeah, okay. Why don't we hit that. <laughs> so Car- hey, I got was- a question for you. Did Carol Baskin kill her husband? <laughs> yes. Okay, there you go. <laughs> no hesitation. Yeah, no hesitation there. Um, so the the Tiger King question was which farm would you rather live on? Joe Exotic or Doc Antles? <laughs> Ooh, that's a um, good one. And as a twenty year old young woman. I think for anybody who's seen the show, they might see some obvious reasons why I wouldn't want to uh, live on Doc Antle's farm. Yeah, that'd be a bad choice for you. Not an attractive man. Um, And the exploitive sex cult thing. You know, that part doesn't make me that mad. (laughs) (laughs) If it was was Brad Pitt leading it, then eh, maybe we'll check it out. Yeah, yeah, in general, in general. 100%. You be quiet, Sean. (laughs) 
but but you you had you wanted to go undercover, right? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I was so upset when they got to the part of the documentary where they, it said the FBI raided the raided the farm. No zoo, 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 yeah. roadside zoo. The roadside zoo, and I was so upset because I was so willing to be that one informant where they'd send me in and I'd get all the dirt, and then when I came out, I'd have a job with the FBI. Oh, it'd be so, awesome. I was willing to do that, and they just wasted their opportunity. You're going to wear the shorts that apparently are mandatory if you take that job? <laughs> I'm um, not going to say that in front of my dad. I'll, I'll tell you what, though. I've seen you in those shorts. I'll tell you what, Okay, that's though. rude. What? You I got... tell her, hey, save up. You can buy the rest of those shorts. <laughs> that's, that's good dad commentary. You, you oh, do... yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You do have to point out there are no stumps at Doc Antle's farm. Where there are a number of stumps at the other one. <laughs> Only some of those stumps were tiger-related. When it comes to stumps, I think some is too many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. Ocean needs to look into that. All right, what else do you got uh, in the questions? Um, let's see. Uh, when transitioning from home to school, what has surprised you and what had you wished you'd known? Uh, a lot of the questions came from especially dads whose girls were going to college. I'd say my biggest takeaway was um, you don't have to be happy right away. I feel like the the biggest thing that a lot of young college students are impressed upon is college is great. College is fantastic. Like you'll really become yourself, but it doesn't feel like that right away. Um, you know, you're going to feel lost, especially if you go far away. It's going to be a culture shock and just you don't have to be happy but that will come. Well, becoming yourself is hard. I mean, that's yeah. a hard thing for any human to do. Right, and just being displaced like that, that's really good advice. There's nothing wrong with you if you're a little freaked out for a while. Yeah, that's all life advice, just not even school-related. But if happiness isn't immediate, that's that's an okay thing. I live in a college town, and I can see people trying out their new look, especially the the, the younger crowd. I'm going to try. I'm going to try the cowboy look, or I'm going to try the. I'm a goth person now. That guy doesn't normally wear bracelets. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, you got to give it a try. Sure. We got like ninety seconds. What do you have? One of your favorites? There? Uh, yeah. When um, your favorite sentimental gift from your dad, and I think this one kind of fed into the first question. But there's no physical item I can point to, but what I can point to is experiences that we had. Um, so, like, I came home from school one day, and my dad said, get ready. Uh, and we drove to a train station and spent an entire day in San Francisco. Awesome. And that's what sticks out to me. Like, those experiences, not just, okay, I got a My Little Pony one. Experiences, not stuff. That's a good one. Well, and you know, one of my all-time faves was when you said you'd never actually seen it snowing, and so we just headed up into the mountains as far as it took um, until we found snowing. <laughs> and that was that was great. That was a good time. Uh, all right, one more quick one. Um, tell us about your tattoo. Are you fine with that one? Yeah, go ahead. Um, so actually, my tattoo is of a pumpkin. On on your, uh, it's on your face. N yes, yes, right under the kinda eye. Like, it's kinda, the teardrop tattoo. Kind of like Post Malone. <laughs> exactly. Teardrop exactly. pumpkin. <laughs> um, but no, the pumpkin came from that was just actually it comes from my relationship with my dad. And it's, um, you know, my siblings are quite a deal, a deal older than me. And when I was growing up, uh, we always went to the pumpkin patch together. Awesome. And, and my nickname for you, too. Yeah. Which yeah. is pride. I, it's pride. That's mm -hmm. too much. But it's pumpkin related. Anyway, 
Uh, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks. No problem. That's awesome. You're definitely the most appealing presence on this show in many years. <laughs> Not surprised, guys. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. What didn't get that much coverage on cable news yesterday is two more soldiers dying in Afghanistan. First deaths of the year of 2020 of yet another year of being in Afghanistan. Now, you would think in light of the Washington Post's Afghanistan papers, in which we learned that three administrations have misled at best, flat out lied to us at worst about the progress we're making in Afghanistan and how they have no idea why we're he- they're there, what mm-hmm. the goal is, multiple administration, multiple secretaries of defense, multiple military strategists, no idea what the plan is. You'd think that there'd be outrage in the media. Media hates war, and they certainly hate Trump. Right. Seems like a great story. But no, just nobody really cares that much. That's it's boring. That's, Nobody's paying attention. That Staff Sergeant Ian P. McLaughlin, 29... Father of four. Oh, my. And PFC McGill A. Villon, 21 from Illinois, starting out his life as a kid at 21. Right. Both died yesterday at the hands of the Taliban in an IED attack for freaking what? I'll tell you what for. And this is an awful thing to say in the United States of America. Uh, and you don't ever want to, you don't, you don't want people to feel this who've got kids serving, but they died for nothing. They died for nothing. Nothing! Because people can't get their act together and decide what to do, and because the media doesn't give a crap. Right. The feud between Warren and Bernie, or Trump said this, What? look what he tweeted yesterday, is way more interesting than drilling down on why the hell we have citizens of this country dying for nothing. Trillions of dollars being wasted, too. Yeah. Money that could be, you know, spent at home or returned to the taxpayers. Yeah, it is... Nobody it's cares. absolutely maddening. Nobody cares. It's just, it's a drip, drip, drip of lives and money. It's not enough to get people's attention. The vague assurances that we're negotiating, they were hoping for a negotiated settlement in the Taliban and Afghanistan and women's rights and blah, blah, blah. And nobody's paying attention. And and it's, it's you know, there are, there are a couple of metaphors in life, but it's too serious, I think, to even engage in that. It's a bigger deal to end it than to continue to suffer from it or it seems like it anyway to politicians and they might be right that's the stupid side of politics if if donald j trump were to declare from the oval office right now that's it we're not losing another life in afghanistan we're not spending another hundred dollars other than you know standard foreign aid to kind of keep them on our side um, if you were to announce that right now, the Democratic Party would go berserk and they would bring up women's rights and Afghan uh, Afghan children and and the opioid trade is going to grow and oh, a thousand horrible repercussions of that happen. Well, so would a lot of Republicans. And so would Republicans. And if a Democratic president next time around does the very same thing, the rhetoric would be 100 percent reversed. Yeah, I heard it, a lot of politics is stupid and phony. I did hear a strategist last night on uh, Tucker, and I, I think he's absolutely right. The only person that can get us out of this is Trump, and probably if he wins a second term. Right. Uh, then he doesn't have to worry about it anymore. That might be the best thing that would come out of Trump winning a second term. That, and he can stick with the China deal, because he would have nothing else to lose at that point. He could just pull us out of Afghanistan. Okay, Rand Paul and whoever else and Democrats, beat me up wherever you want. We're out. 
We're done with this. Mm-hmm. And it would go down in history as a wise move, I guarantee you. I, I think so. I think so. But you see this in business a lot, too. Nobody gets fired for continuing to do the same losing thing. The status quo is so attractive to the risk averse. And politicians have to be risk averse because we're just, I don't know, the elect. I'm not impressed by us as an electorate. But anyway, the guy who, or woman who says, no, this drip, drip, drip of lives and money is ending now. It's not going anywhere. There's no point to it. I'm ending it. And I will take the slings and arrows of the negatives that come with ending it. But I can't abide with it continuing. They'll get the hell beaten out of them I don't for qu- rejecting the crappy status quo. I don't quite understand why there's not the... Because the, the media hates Trump so much. The media hates war. I don't understand why it's not a story that they like to latch on to. Listen, and they're liars, too, a lot of them. Say it was still winnable and worth it under Obama. But coincidentally, two weeks after Trump took office, it became unwinnable and not worth doing. And Trump's a crappy guy for keeping us there. Go ahead. Start that narrative, MSNBC. I'll repeat it if that would be helpful, you know, to to end this this stupidity. You used to talk about how, well, the the reason we're there is to keep an eye on Pakistan or whatever else the strategy is. And I always thought, I hope that's true. Well, we now know from reading the Afghanistan papers, no, there was nothing. Because behind the closed doors, they're saying, what are we doing here? I don't know. Right. Same as you and me. Ask 10 Americans at random. Uh, if you want, uh, sort them out for who's the most informed. Ask them, you know, how much are you into the news and events? And pick the 10 best informed people you can. And then ask them, each one of them, what are we doing in Afghanistan? What's our purpose? If my son joined the military and well, went I'm to... Well, I'm sorry. Let me, let me finish. If, if you get two solid, I think I knows, I would be shocked. And if if those two were wrong, you know, even I'd be shocked. It's been going on for almost twenty years. It could be going on in eight years right. when uh, my uh, oldest is old enough to serve. If he went over there and died, I I don't know how I'd wrap my head around that. Right. I don't know how any family does. Michael, I think we need transition music. So we were talking about all-you-can-eat buffets, and specifically, uh, was that on the podcast? That was on the secret podcast, which you don't get to hear. Shh, shh, we're not supposed to say that. It's called One More Thing. It's like an extra, extra long segment of the show. We do one uh, several days of the week, and yesterday's was on how to beat an all-you-can-eat buffet. If you don't Beat meaning rip off the proprietor. (laughs) Yeah, if you don't go into an all-you-can-eat buffet with the goal of winning... (laughs) You've already lost. Yeah, why did you even show up? How about if I eat till I'm pleasantly full? Well, did you win or not? A reasonable variety of healthy foods. And the rich get richer. Did they still make a profit or not? (laughs) I want them to to not make a profit. No, I I won. Re-examine your business practices. (laughs) I'm right. the winner, I declare as I waddle out of the place. Hands up. Sick to my stomach. So that was a brief recap of what we were discussing, and a number of people reacted on the email line, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Uh, hey, Jack and Joe, Kevin, the uh, Fagafy, Texas Marine, checking in. Friend of Armstrong and Getty over 15 years, Fagafy. Uh, I have a tale of how four young Marines conquered a nearly empty Sizzler. Remember Sizzler? Sizzler is still there. One night, uh, me and three of my buddies, we went to our local Sizzler for all-you-can-eat shrimp. We ordered and powered through our first plates of tiny steaks, six or so shrimp in our sides. After our fifth plate of six shrimp each, our waitress gave up and started bringing us platters full of shrimp so we could just share while making her life a bit easier. 
After several of those, she came up and asked us if we were going to want more. Of course, we replied. <laughs> to which she responded, it'll be a little while. We had to send someone to another sizzler to get more shrimp. Oh, geez. We all cheered like we had just won the Stanley Cup. <laughs> <laughs> then waited for more food and consumed vast quantities. Yeah, well, we learned yesterday in the podcast, and they didn't do it right there. You gotta, you gotta slow down the process. Tiny plates. They use giant uh, spatulas, fork, spoons for the stuff that will fill you up and is cheap, like potatoes and rolls. Right. They use tiny little tongs for the expensive meats and stuff like Surgical that. Surgical right? tweezers, practically. <laughs> so, I mean, this now this is not an all-you-can-eat buffet. This is a different situation. It's the all-you-can-eat shrimp sure. platter, but. Sure. Uh, I, I I get the whole tiny tongs thing because you got to reach in and grab one and grab another, then grab another and grab another. And behind, before you know it, the guy behind you is looking at you like, what the hell? Would you hurry up, please? And you think, all right, that's enough. And Right. That's how they get you. The way they get you those is they slow walk everything. And I've right. been through that many times. Yeah. I plow through a plate, I order another, and it's like 15 minutes before they bring me my next plate of The key for those is you order your second when yeah. you get the first. Yeah, I was like, with- hey, keep them coming. I was with a buddy of mine who's probably listening right now. He did that at the IHOP during an all-you-could-eat. He'd order his next plate when they arrived with mm-hmm. his plate, and then he, he he was able to just keep it coming. I think he ate 16. My kids were amazed. <laughs> My kids still talk about Again, it. Every, what a great idea. Every, you win. Every time we're at IHOP. Remember when Stephen ate 16 pancakes? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. But the, uh, the, the sizzler in this story, like so many foreign powers, should have known when they saw the Marines coming to just surrender. Exactly. <laughs> this is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Sean left his house yesterday, as he uh, as he told us. He rarely does and played golf. Yeah, uh, my friend's done a really good job, particularly of late, of uh, just kind of being a little pebble in my shoe to, hey, let's, <laughs> you know, break break the confines of your, uh, your one-bedroom apartment. Let's go outside, maybe have some discussions that aren't via text, and uh, he's been dragging me out to, to play golf. He's and, a good man. Yeah, yeah. Great, I like the cut friend. of his jib. Great friend. Um, and uh, went out to uh, a course and uh, played nine holes because, one, yeah, that's plenty of golf for me. And uh, I've always felt that way. I never thought 18 was the right number. Like, 11, I thought seven was the right number for 11 golf. to 12, I think, is what I what I would consider like a peak round of is golf. Is there anybody that does that, George? There are people that like are into a certain number of holes uh, just for playing other golf. Other than nine or 18? Yeah. No. 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 It'd, it'd be weird. Partly because you would end probably very far away from the clubhouse. <laughs> I'm done now, and I gotta walk a mile back. Right, yeah. <laughs> and they aren't really charging per hole either. Once you right. you can't play 15 mm. without paying for 18. Man, I used to routinely play 36 holes. Wow, all the time. That's a lot of golf. But part yeah. of it is I am at the skill level where a normal round of 18 holes is probably somewhere close to the total number of shots Joe would take in I don't know 30 holes. <laughs> there is that. Yeah, not uh, to mention the frustration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a big part because as is the the point of my story, golf is a cursed game. Sure. I, I don't, it is some combination. I know skill is involved somewhere, but there is a, a much larger impact of uh, what I will call voodoo and witchcraft involved in golf. That I like. You know, I, I'll take a swing, what I feel like is the same swing that I've taken hundreds of times, and all of a sudden the ball just shoots off at a forty-five degree angle. What? What yeah. happened there? And I, I maybe I need to hire a film crew so I can get some instant replay swing analysis going. And figure out what I did wrong. That but, uh, that actually does help. Yeah, oh, I'm sure it would. Yeah, I uh, I actually take lessons occasionally from a guy who's. Who, who, you still ex- take lessons oh, as much as you play? Of course, yeah. Oh, wow. Tiger Woods takes lessons. 
know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he he has a couple, I believe, a couple of former Major League Baseball players who are his uh, uh, students as well, and they are astounded at how hard it is. And he tells them, "Look, if your club face is one degree open on a you know X hundred yard shot, you know whatever, you're going to miss your target by twenty five yards. Yeah. One degree." Hard game, humbling. I've often said, when I was 12 years old, I was sitting in my room. I was trying to decide, should I become a golfer or a heroin addict? (laughs) And I made the wrong choice. (laughs) I made the more expensive and unhealthy choice. I was just trying to think, what's the worst shot I've ever made? I've have I've had I've had a couple of times I've had a shot where it hit something and it ends up behind me. Okay. So I actually would have been That's pretty bad. I actually would have been much better off had I not swung at all. I've I've hit more than one house in one of those developments that the houses are awfully close to the yeah. golf course. That's a bad feeling. I um, don't know the physics of a tree, but it seems like it's mostly air and leaves. Yet somehow, if my ball gets anywhere close to a tree, it just gets snatched and dropped directly at the base of the trunk. (laughs) Those are the evil monkeys that inhabit every tree on every golf course. Evil, invisible monkeys. Have you ever had a shot sail into the the parking lot area and you hear the unmistakable sound of a golf ball on a car? How about (laughs) on a major thoroughfare next to the golf course? Yeah, I think I've done that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have. I, I'm pretty sure I broke a windshield once. Oof. Yeah. And that was not good. I was not proud of that. I've never hit any human with my golf ball. I have been hit at least half a dozen times. And it hurts. Oh, it hurts yeah. every bit as much as you think it It's might. amazing more people aren't really damaged by that. Yeah, I had a friend who was almost killed about uh, four or five months ago. Oh, I can believe that. Yeah. And some of the public Terrible. courses that are essentially just runways going back and forth against oh, each other, you're, right. you're in a crossfire of amateur golfers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Balls flying everywhere. I hate golf courses like that. People from three holes over hitting on your fairway, and they just take a drop, man. Oh, high school golf tournaments when I played in high school, there's just so many people out there, and and, and half of us are terrible. There's golf balls going everywhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and on those those uh, runway-type courses, those back-and-forth courses, yeah, God, it's a wonder more people don't die. <laughs> Yeah, well, humble it's game. amazing though how you can hit a couple of good shots in a roll and you're feeling pretty good, and then and then just like it's a, you know a, a right angle from where you are. Mm-hmm. Like you'd think you'd have to work to do that. Right. You think you'd have to like you'd, it's like a trick shot to be able to get to go completely sideways. Right, you could stand on a driving lane range for four hours trying to hit that shot and not be able to pull it off. <laughs> Or, you know, I, I haven't done this in, in probably 40 years, but people who just, they're playing a pretty good round of golf, and then they just whiff. They just miss the ball. <laughs> right. I've been there, yeah. except for the pretty good round of golf part. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, it's a humbling game, but it's 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 fascinating. It's a puzzle. I love golf. <laughs> it, I won't bore you. The, the whiff thing is like, um, it's like. You um, try to just play it off as a practice swing? Uh, yeah, you can. It's, it's cheating, but of course, if it's a friendly game, nobody cares, but. Uh, yeah, that's that's a bad feeling. Like, uh, how often will you whiff? Because you're a good golfer. It, it would have to be extraordinary. I mean, and I'm not bragging so, or anything. No, no, no. It's oh, not, no, no, that's not the essentially point. Essentially, never. Okay, so you never do. No, I mean, it would have to be the ball is waist high on a steep hill, and I'm on my knees because I can't take a stance, 
and I have to use one hand. But not in a regular shop. You're no, not going. Never. How never. Uh, do people that are good golfers uh, do they ever uh, like top the ball and it dribbles off a few feet? Does oh yeah. That happen or or one expression. <laughs> That's my. I'd rather whiff than do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather whiff than to dribble it off the tee and it just goes. Across. Oh, I, that happens a fair amount. Or my favorite one, something I do, and you know, I'm, I'm a single-digit handicap for you know people who know anything about golf. But um, I'll lay the sod over it, as they say. You hit, you know, three inches behind it oh. and take up a, a piece of turf the size of a keeper trout. <laughs> I don't know how and, does that really happen. It's only the earth that pro- propels the ball forward. <laughs> that will happen occasionally. It's just amazing. It's it's similar to me of when you you get in your car every single day, day after day after day, and then one day you get in and you just whack your head on the side. <laughs> and it's like how how I yeah. get in the same car every day? How did I hit my head? It's the same thing with golf. I just hit fifty shots in a row. How did I now just completely? missed the ball <laughs> yeah well if we had time i would get into my carefully developed study of blood alcohol level and golf skill mm. and it's uh, correlation and and non-correlation but we don't have time for that the key is there's a sweet spot <laughs> short of that sweet spot you're too tight past that sweet spot you're too, uh, too loose be careful <laughs> You're going to hurt somebody. Stand behind me. Yeah, exactly. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. China lying like rugs as they do about everything about the whole uh, coronavirus. Yeah. Donald Trump, don't trust China. Well, he shouldn't. I got a couple of stories on that, and it reminded me. Well, first of all, on the whole coronavirus thing, my son got the regular old influenza. There's a type A and a type B. I didn't know any of this stuff before Thursday, by the way. Uh, when my son got the flu and then we were at the ER with 105 temperature and oh, I started reading gosh. up on it and everything yeah. like that. Poor lad. But there's a type A and a type B and he got the type A, which is either H1N1 or H3N5 or something. Hike. They haven't, uh, <laughs> they know it's type A. They haven't figured out that other part. Yeah. Um, uh, one's worse than the other. But anyway. Well, and there's there's not a lot they can do, right? So it's. No. I no, mean, you, you have it for a long stay time with too, fluids though. and just try to nurse you through it. So your high fever will last five days. Likely. Oh, oh, five oh, that's days. Rough. That's so rough. Yeah. And no medicine. I mean, he was 105 on Thursday and he was still 103 on Saturday night. Oh, my goodness. Um, poor lad. Yeah. It's you, amazing. Like, cool cloths or something like like a, I know there's nothing can Bands. take it away, but oh, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, so the, the regular old flu is horrible and it kills thousands and thousands and thousands of people wherever you're listening. People in your town, your state are dying by the dozens how of, many, of the regular old flu. How many children did you say have already died of the flu in the United States this year? As of Saturday morning, it was 54. Right. No, right. no. If 54 kids died of the coronavirus, I think we would we would we would cease to uh, to function as a nation. Well, there would be a national panic, and which the flu is just is... strange. And listen, I'm not in favor of ignoring the coronavirus because it's new it appears to be fairly deadly nobody's immune to it and and we don't know how insane it could be but the flu is here and two years ago was it it killed sixty one thousand americans sixty thousand people americans and you did you do you even know that no you didn't know that that's the flu i hear about it every year but you're doing a half hour news feature on the coronavirus that six people got in america nobody's died wash your hands man it's just weird and if you got it do not go just stay home stay home you are so contagious yeah we we kind of kept sam quarantined in the house so that the rest of us don't get it because it's it's a bad one he didn't eat anything for three days he tried a couple of times and threw up nonstop. 
So, but just that's a bad thing to get is the flu. But so the coronavirus in China, and this is what it reminded me of because we talked about this some last week, is how it's it's it ain't no joke, Joe, as Joe Biden would say, not a joke. The idea of China taking over the world, or at least becoming the global superpower that most countries um, come into their sphere and um, and kowtow to is bad in all kinds of ways. Mm -hmm. China is a bad country. They're an evil presence. China is asshole. The Chinese Communist Party is evil, and the more of the world that they control, you know, the worst for humanity. Mm -hmm. This is like the old us versus the Soviet Union. This is a global struggle for the future of mankind, whether we get to be free or not. See the coronavirus. China silenced doctors and focused on secrecy as the coronavirus first spread. One article I read in the New York Times about how their number one concern from the beginning was not uh, helping people, uh, curing people, anything like that. It was how do we get this information quieted down and keep it from getting out. Um, Specifically with, let me find this other story about it, how they threatened this doctor and got him to, um, to go along. As new coronavirus spread, China's old habits delayed the fight. At a critical turning point, Chinese authorities put secrecy on order ahead of openly confronting the growing crisis and risking public alarm or uh, political embarrassment. In the middle of the night, officials from the health authority in the central city of Wuhan summoned Dr. Li, demanding to know why he had shared information online that the coronavirus is out there. Three days later, the police compelled him to sign a statement that his warning constituted illegal behavior. Wow. Which, if you know anything about China, is really bad. Yeah. That's going to stop you from, uh, well, from living much of your life from, from here on, now that you've had that spanking by uh, the Communist Party. Mm-hmm. And so he attempted to get the word out just locally that we got this traveling around. The police show up at his house and make him sign a confession. Wow. Of, uh, of going against the nation. Wow. That is scary. That that's that's who they are. Yeah. God, we gotta wake up to that. That is an evil, evil country. Now come on, and, China. And you know, so far it looks like the coronavirus we're gonna be okay. But if 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 the great pandemic that's gonna wipe people out happens and starts in China, we're doomed. Well, that's the perfect place for it to start. We are doomed because yeah. they do not care. Yeah. Yeah. They do have the ability to shut down entire cities and not let anybody go anywhere quarantining a city is something we would not be very good about or good at in the United States. Thank God. God, If they're going to send the police to the home of a doctor um, over the coronavirus, the idea that they're not going to mishandle artificial intelligence or any of this CRISPR genetic stuff or any of that stuff, give me a break. Well, it's a society founded on and, and absolutely everything you do is steeped in the idea of you must please the government. You must please your local government official or they will have you jailed or stabbed or run out of your home or whatever. And they're frequently... You know, grasping, greedy, amoral bureaucrats, but everybody is terrified of them. Like this doctor guy who who thought, you know, I'll tell the truth to help out my countrymen. Well, he he got punished good and hard for that, or, and, well, or will be. I would guess, based on all the reading I've done about China, the only reason we know that the police went and talked to the doctor and he signed this thing is because... The Communist Party wanted us to know. They wanted that news out there to scare other doctors. Mm. If they had just wanted to punish him, he would have just disappeared and it would have made the news. Right. Yeah, that's an interesting point. 
They wanted to get information out to every other doctor in the country or anybody else in the media or anything else. Yeah. Hey, talking about this is not cool. Yeah. You want the police to show up at your house? Keep your mouth shut. And, and listen, this is not, uh, you know, this is not a, a frantic trying to scare you little bit of analysis, but socialism as a system depends on government control. You have to have everybody falling in line because if they're pursuing their self-interests in a free market way, it just uh, socialism doesn't work because it's an artificial system. You have to impose it and enforce it. People will not uh, pursue it naturally. And it really worries me, the number of people who think Bernie is the answer and Bernie is the savior. And and if we can only impose a top-down system of government, everybody will have a utopia because you will find yourself uh, being told by many, many bureaucrats exactly how you want to live day to day. And it evolves. Nobody, nobody announces at the outset, uh, this is going to be oppressive. It just gets there. Uh-oh, we definitely need transition music for this. Here's your wisdom-loving quote of the day. It's not exactly a freedom-loving quote of the day, but it was sent along by uh, Al Anonymous. Uh, Well, I'm sure he wouldn't mind us giving his name for that part, but he wrote some other things that were rather controversial. Anyway, it's from T.S. Eliot's play The Rock. Here at The Rock! Written in 1930. Smell what The Rock is cooking! Hmm, that's a good one. The Sean Connery Nicolas Cage movie? At The Rock. Exactly. Um, uh, it was written in 1934, Jack. And so the point he's trying to make is even more powerful today. And here is the point. Where is the wisdom we have lost in knowledge? And where is the knowledge we have lost in information? That's a good one. It took me a couple. And uh, 1934 is pre-internet. He's talking about how sometimes... What they do all day. I don't know. Farm. Where is the wisdom we have lost in knowledge? And where is the knowledge we have lost in information? Meaning sometimes we just, we know a lot, but we forget the simple truths that have always been and or we're so inundated with information, we know a lot of stuff that is either useless or untrue. And that is, uh, please, T.S. Eliot, his head would explode living in the uh, the current world. What's the uh, knowledge is that tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. Exactly. Huh? Ooh, that's well you. said. Again, that's from T.S. Eliot again, as well. Again, you are the king of that sort of thing. Yes. Oh, we all have our gifts. Well, Jack, back to the information overload. I long for simplicity. I long for beauty. Uh, and, and I find that the beautiful, gentle art of the Japanese haiku brings me what I'm looking for. Oh, boy. It's, Jack, it's the, the five syllables, the seven, then the five. That makes it entertaining for six-year-olds and no one else. That's probably racism. I crave structure. This is perfect for me. Thank you, Sean. <clears throat> Lover of the arts, Sean. Quest. Oh, I'm sorry. It's another impeachment haiku from Tim, and I would suggest it is the final impeachment haiku from Tim. Questions completed. Senate split on witnesses. Trump gets acquitted. Mm. 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 That is actually all you need to know that, yeah, that, in that's... 17 syllables. Or you could turn on CNN and listen to him drone on with just the height of stupidity and boringness for the next 10 hours. It's pretty interesting you could sum up everything that happened in that amount of time. Yeah. I just indeed. got myself a second helping of cheese dip, so my speaking should become slower and slurred mm, Good in the next hour. It's really yeah. good this year. It's, yeah, this, it is an ex- excellent year for the cheese dip. Oh. Thank you, guys. <laughs> I'm working with hogs. <laughs> 
<laughs> I might as well be a hog farmer. Uh, speaking of animals, we were discussing yesterday. Uh, what was the uh, what state was it that was uh, trying to come up with a definition of milk? Do you remember Wisconsin? I th- yeah, I think it was Wisconsin um, that said it is the uh, lacteal secretions from a hooved animal to keep not- people from calling soy milk almond milk, soy milk. Right? It's not milk. Marissa in Phoenix says, I lactate, Joe. Does that make me a hoofed animal? Well, wow. I've, I've never seen your feet, Marissa, but I assume no. I've, been, I've never seen your feet. No, but apparently your milk is not good enough for the grocery stores of Wisconsin or Virginia or wherever it was. So uh, I'm sorry. Sorry to hear that. Uh, oh, hey, uh, Vicky writes in, frequent correspondent Vicky through the years. Today is my last day of work. Retiring. Boom, today. Work today, watch the Super Bowl, wake up Monday morning, and whatever. That's got to be a weird feeling. I know it. How do you not use a sick day on your last day of work? She found us about a dozen years ago. You've been part of my daily getting ready ritual and 60-mile commute. 60 miles. Wow. Thank you for entertaining and informing me. No problem. Uh, My retirement schedule will likely include listening to full four hours every day as I enjoy all the other aspects of not working. Now, that's a model for everyone. Yes. Listen on your commute. If you retire, listen when you're not commuting. You no longer have to work. Dedicate your life to listening to the entire show. Thanks for the note, Vicky. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty show.